Hello and welcome to the Delphian podcast. Delphian is an artist-led nomadic gallery focusing on emerging and early career artists. Each episode will feature a different art world practitioner, from artists and gallerists to collectors and curators. If you liked today's episode, please like, share and subscribe. Welcome to the Delphine Podcast. My name is Benjamin Murphy and with me unrelentingly is Nick J. Thompson. <laughs> All right. Um, our guest today is Rosa Gibbons, whose intense performances often raise questions of gender and domesticity, using her own body as the medium. She's exhibited with our friends over at Collective Ending and Dat Eagle, as well as Lychee One Gallery. Hello. 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 So, big question that we ask everyone. Mm-hmm. Why are you an artist? Why am I an artist? Yeah. Not necessarily how. Why? Why? Uh, I like it. I, I think, I don't know, being an artist is like a nice way of, of living in the world because everything you, you experience, you can kind of pilfer for your own artwork. I like that. Like I was in the dentist the other day and I was sitting there like everything in here just looks great and I want to make an artwork and that made my dentist experience really fun. Yeah, you sent me a list of things you were talk- you were, you've been thinking about recently. One of them was dentists. Yes. One of them was outdoor gyms. One of them was sexy underwear. One of them was lipstick colours. Yes. How, how do these things all connect? They don't necessarily all connect. They're kind of s- sort of separate things. Um, the lipstick names is to do with something I'm working on where I'm trying to make a cast of my own mouth to put on a CNC machine to then stamp kisses of lipstick names um, to have all of the different lipstick names together in a gallery, in the Black Box um, right. UCA gallery. Um and then the, what else did you say? Well, what else was on your list? Uh, outdoor list? gyms? Outdoor gyms, yeah. Outdoor gyms are just strange things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think they're really primed for some kind of performance where each um, machine has something attached to it that can do something to a person and maybe anybody can come and encounter it or it could even be just a kind of guerrilla performance which the people using the gym unwittingly participate in. Um, yeah, that one's kind of still in the back burner, I think. <laughs> What's do you approach it differently when you do a, a performance in a public space and then a, when you do one in a, a gallery space? Mm. I don't really approach making the work differently, um, but it always makes it always ends up being different when it happens because there's a different kind of engagement. Um, there's often a lot more heckling if it's in an outdoor space because people don't have that kind of religious feeling they're just like why is she doing that weird thing which I actually really like but I did one at, um, for freeze week at Charlton Gallery in the summer and um, it's between these two um, high schools and there were all these teenagers being like oh my god is that her asshole and I was just <laughs> like yeah that's so and, and it was funny because the people were being like she's trying to make them be quiet and I was like no it's great like I'm making work that's meant to be like odd and challenging and to make people confused um, and and think something that maybe we think is sexy in one setting is kind of grotesque in another setting. So the fact that these teenagers were having a, you know, were kind of really shocked. Um, and then afterwards, I was like, you can put your, you can touch it if you, not my real asshole. <laughs> it was a photograph of an asshole, which I was like, you can, you know, you can touch it if you want. And they thought it was really gross. That was great. Because they're probably used to seeing assholes, you know, being fucked in pornography. Yeah, so yeah, they might as well yeah. see one that's made of satin and on a medical screen in a, like a trade show tent, which is why I know. So is that part of the work, the response? It kind of has to be. It's not really part of the intention, um, but it's part of the 
the reception. I think it's quite good that you managed to shock teenagers. That's quite me an, too, probably me quite too. an unusual thing to be able to do. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny because then as it went on, they were kind of trying to embarrass me. Okay. Or kind of, and also that a lot of what they were saying were quite kind of objectifying statements, I suppose, mm. about like what they wanted to do or whatever. Mm. Um, which I can understand because I was in the street doing like making sexualized gestures. Um, but then them commenting that was just made it it made it quite a bit uncomfortable for me, but for and for the audience as well, which I think is kind of where the rub is in the work, like something that can be kind of funny or entertaining or joyful and then something that's kind of unsettling or I hope makes you think about h- how we kind of consume bodies mm. visually. So as a performance artist, naturally what you create is often ephemeral. Um, and once it's once the performance is over, they cease to exist. Um, how do you record the works and is it possible to capture everything that exists within performance on the recording? Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's not possible to capture everything, but I think it can have a life of its own. Mm. Um, I really like thinking about documentation and doing photos and things. A lot of performance artists find that it it has no relation to the original work or it kind of ruins it. But for me, it's just like another, another, another thing for me to have control over, I suppose. When I don't have control over it, then I feel a bit, ooh, because it's not, I think, very visually... And I think very carefully about the aesthetics of the performance. So in a photograph, then I want that to mirror my intentions. Um, yeah, it's been fun as well. I recently did a collaboration with Manuel Vasson, who's a photographer. And so we kind of staged the performance for the photograph rather than for the audience, mm-hmm. um, which brought out things I hadn't realised. Is that the thing with the window blinds? With the blinds, yeah. yeah. So does that work then exist as photographs? So the photographs mm. aren't necessarily a record now of uh, an existing work that has doesn't exist anymore. They're, are they the work? It's kind of both. Yeah. I haven't really decided yet. Also, I don't really mind that much. I feel like it's a discussion that always gets brought up around performance art because the way we often see it is after the event. Mm. Um, but to me, it's all just segments of the same orange. <laughs> Great metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> So um, what you said about the uh, the people kind of trying to embarrass you when you were doing your performance made me think immediately of my favourite performance work, potentially even my favourite artwork of all time is uh, Rhythm Zero by Marina mm. Bramovich. And that is kind of an exploration into crowd mentality. And it's, it's a bit like the, the Milgram experiment and exploring how people can just get very mean very quickly. Do you do you have many negative responses to your work and do they ever... Is it ever frightening? Because mm. you, you're... When, when a painter does a painting, they're kind of putting themselves out there to some degree. But when you do a performance, it's even more so. And yours are kind of quite intimate things that you share as well. Mm. I- I don't want to kind of make any statements about kind of being afraid or being brave or anything because, you know, it's all my choice and I'm always in control of the situation and I can Mm. stop at any time. I don't think there's any kind of, I don't know, like grand, um, I don't know, I just like the idea of like bravery feels kind of of a bit fake and, you know, if I was brave I could do a lot more important things. Um, I guess personally there's been times where I felt a bit uncomfortable because 
I'm constantly engaged with this idea of looking at and being and looking looking and looking at looking and being looked at is what mm. I mean and so um when I feel myself being looked at in a certain way which I understand is kind of what I'm trying to critique um that can be a bit of like a moldy feeling because so I did for example a performance outdoors and there were these two guys who were like um I would I would think I was naked well I was partly naked and I was on all fours so it was it was kind of very like vagina focused and um, I hadn't really thought about it, to be honest, I just did it. And then these, these like, drunk guys were kind of, like, on all fours behind me and kind of oh, doing, shit. like, doing a lot. I'm doing, like, the thing where you, like, put your fingers in front of your face and you put your tongue through the fingers <laughs> for your listeners. <laughs> I don't know what that's called. Um, and I was just looking at them and I was like, hmm, this is interesting. Like, this doesn't feel very good. But then everybody else is seeing them do it. They're kind of becoming part of it. They're yeah. being, they're part of the work now. Um, also, in a way... I don't have that much like grand aspirations of what people are going to take away from it. And if that those guys are probably going to remember that and be like, that was fucking weird, um, which is kind of OK as well. Like I if they're just seeing a body being weird, it's like mm. kind of a kind of a good thing. But like those teenagers, they probably weren't like, oh, what an interesting critique of like <laughs> capitalism or objectification. They're probably just like, oh, my God, did you see what happened yesterday? It probably like made their day. Mm. So that's kind of a good thing, I think. And those um, two guys yeah. who are like around after you I'd imagine they were incredibly ashamed of themselves when they sobered up probably yeah it was I mean they weren't they weren't like they weren't they weren't calling that close I'm making it sound more dramatic than it was but um yeah I don't know it's funny because then I felt terrible because afterwards I went I thought I saw them and I went up to them and I was like what were you doing because I wanted to have a discussion and it wasn't them it was these <laughs> other two guys and I was like oh my god I just chose like two middle-aged white men um, and like thought that they were the people doing it and then I just felt like I was just as bad as they were like making assumptions about people on what they look like so you know it's a complicated <laughs> sticky situation and I don't really um I don't know I'm, I'm doing it because I want to do it you know it's not um it's not like where is me at all it's yeah. like yeah I get to like <laughs> do weird shit <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like like I said earlier it's like looking at things from a from a fun not fun, but like an artistic viewpoint is like a real privilege. So mm. um, I'm really happy to be engaged in like an interesting subject matter in kind of a non-academic way, in like a physical way. Yeah. Do you ever perform the works more than once? Yeah, sometimes. And does that, how does, because obviously there's going to be differences each time you perform it. Mm. How does that change the, the work? Mm. It doesn't change it that much because mm. I'm quite, I'm quite choreographed. Okay. Um, I, it will sh- the timing will change, the location will change, the audience reaction will change. Mm. But what it actually is doesn't change that much in my okay. view. I'm definitely not one of those performance artists who's like, it can only happen once and this is like, you know, you missed it, it's gone. Mm. I think that there's nothing wrong with repetition. And, and um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, there's a lot of kind of tropes of performance art that I try and get away from. What are they? Um, I guess like 70s, like process-based body art, I feel like, um, is so sincere and earnest when it's done now and I feel like there's more scope now for kind of irony and um, and, and satire and humour and I think that's a better way of engaging in issues yeah and also I think a lot of performance art is very like personalised and internal I think I have a very like presentational approach to performance maybe because I came from a theatre background so it's kind of I'm doing it for, for you it's not it's not really it is for me because obviously it's my career but um, I'm not working through some kind of like inner turmoil. I'm just presenting um, gestures, actions, objects that I think have important sim- symbols or signifiers. Mm. Um, yeah. So some people will only know your work having seen 
the records of it online, mm-hmm. so they know it in retrospect. How, does that affect how you how you present the works, but also how you think people read them? So you say I've the Marina Romanovich example. I think about that artwork all the time, but I never actually saw it, and I never will now. Mm. So do you? Does that kind of alter your effect? Sorry, alter your approach when you think about a lot of people, especially now with social media, will see records of your work rather than seeing the actual performance. Mm. Yeah, I do worry about that. Um, I think videos are pretty good, um, but especially on Instagram, I think images of performances function as kind of one-liners sometimes and um, they're kind of the, the the pinnacle image maybe that I would put on Instagram which is kind of the visual sometimes like the visual pun or the the, the kind of the hook basically which worked really well on Instagram because that's kind of what it's made for um, but there's a lot of stuff which is moving between images or kind of um, I don't know, that's just, just less, less visually striking maybe that is still really important to the work, but that doesn't work as an image. So, yeah, I worry about it. Also, I mean, um, like, like I said earlier, like I'm interested in kind of the ways bodies are consumed and social media is like a really big one for that, especially in terms of like the idea of like reclaiming your own image through like selfies or I, I'm always a bit like unsure about what, how, what that means and how I feel about it. So to then constantly be posting pictures of myself within a feed within like the uh, I don't know the way the way that media presents bodies for example I'm just kind of rambling a bit but I feel basically like when, when I post a picture where I have less clothes off I get more likes for example and that's something which I have to kind of understand reconcile with in the in kind of my body of work because that means something do you understand yeah yeah is it is it that um I suppose that um approval that you're critiquing so that they're getting more likes Mm. when you're less clothed i'd like to say that but i like getting the likes (laughs) (laughs) um and i don't take it too seriously but yeah how can you critique something though while you're while you're part of it Mm. so i'm not sure how successful that is sometimes i don't know i think the Mm. way that you present your body is a very considered way and it's your choice whereas say advertising images of scantily clad women is they're they're being presented in a very different way and it's not necessarily their choice well yeah and the intention is to to sell the product to be like the landscape for the commodity Mm. to be desired and then after that obviously the body's desired and the and fetishized and the objects fetishized you know it's kind of Mm. a circle so i guess in a way it could be escaping that but i'm also kind of playing on it i often see the objects i'm interacting with as kind of a product demonstration but from somebody from maybe like an advertising exec who, who's me who doesn't quite understand what the product does or has kind of perverse intentions for it it's trying to kind of mess up the manufacturer's intentions so, mm. yeah but I don't know I'm kind of like always struggling with um you know Audrey Lord says this quote always comes back to me like a little like spider on my shoulder but you can't use the master's tools to dismantle the master's house it's like it's so good so I can't can't ignore it but then at the same time I really like you like mining culture for things that interest me in advertising and you know the work wouldn't be anything without all of the objects I engage with and mm. the images Cause that, cause <laughs> I'm making a gr- I'm making a weird grim grimace face because I thought <laughs> that wasn't very clear but you know I'm confused basically <laughs> I, think was, I think it was clear yeah. <laughs> 
So performance um, is a difficult, or obviously not impossible, but it's a difficult thing, art form to sell. Um, therefore, making money from that way can be difficult. Mm. Um, for other performance artists that may be listening, can you explain a little bit about how you survive as a performance artist? And um, are there grants and bursaries that are options? And how, how do you go about that? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I have another job which pays most of everything. Yeah. Um, you get paid for performances. Mm-hmm. Um, don't pay attention to the artist's union fees for performances because no one ever pays that much. And whenever I've asked for that much, it's been kind of laughed at. Which so is, is it the gallery that's paying you? The, yeah, ideally the gallery will pay me, but they don't always pay me. It's, yeah, it depends. They should they should pay you, yeah. They should pay for performances. Um, but also it's hard because I just want opportunities to show the work because, you know, when you make performances, they don't really exist until you've performed them and there's been an audience. So I'll often do things for free because I want, I just want the chance to keep making work. So it's hard. I have some friends who are like very, um, very strict on only working if they're being paid, um, which I really admire as well. So, so there are there are guidelines then. Is this like a union that? Sets yeah, out? there's guidelines, but they're not that clear. It's the artist union guidelines. Some performance artists sell like the relics of the performance. Yeah, I don't do that, but I think you can, you can do that. Yeah, like Florence Peake, she has good practice um, making objects alongside the performances. I'm sort of starting to do that a bit more object-based, but um, you can... I mean, if you're like Marina Brumbridge, you can also sell photographs, but, yeah. mm. you know, that's quite hard. One day. Well, yeah. <laughs> and you can get grants. There's a lot of grants. The Live Art Development Agency are really amazing. They do lots of... Um, they help artists a lot and do a lot of projects. Um and the Arts Council, you know, it, it is possible. For me, it, I find it quite hard applying to things because I often don't know what I'm going to make until I've made it. Mm. It's hard to, like, look far ahead and, and make a clear p- proposal. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. I suppose a lot of performance artists probably have a similar problem. They don't necessarily know what the work's going to be yet. So how do you apply for grants and things? Yeah, I guess you just talk about your general practice, your intentions. You talk about things you've done before and kind of if you have a track record, I think that helps. Um Base, base, like Live Art Development Agency, they just like really believe in, in people and understand how performance art works. A lot of galleries, I've, I just noticed, they don't really they don't really know what you need, which isn't their fault at all. Well, it's I, they, I don't necessarily Yeah, know. it's just coming from a different... Like things like, you know, I need like somewhere to get changed, for example. I need like um, somebody to be there to just like look after my safety. I need um, a little bit of time beforehand to like get ready. You know, it's just very simple things, but that you maybe isn't thought about so much. And then in the kind of a longer term, I mean, I think you need just time for like R and D. It's a theatre word, but you know, to kind of just just think, have thinking time. Um, what does R and D stand for? Research and development. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and also it's like when in commercial galleries, I haven't done that much with commercial galleries, but often they're selling those paintings for quite a lot of money, and so it seems reasonable that they would pay a fair amount to have a performance happen especially if it's kind of there's a whole thing about adding to the cultural capital of the gallery and kind of being entertainment for a private view which is fine but private view performances they need to be a certain thing they need to be short they need to be attention grabbing they can't be very quiet and small so I think I understand why a lot of performance artists have kind of gone into um kind of moved out of that system also because maybe they don't want to engage in like the commerce Mm. um like performance space for example in Folkestone are incredible they kind of just only make performances and they just support artists and, you know, it's pretty nice as well if you're performing not to be in a room surrounded by paintings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is there anything you've done in your career so far that um, you wish you'd never done? <laughs> um, loads of things. Um, 
uh, in my in my art career. Yeah. 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 Not just in life. Not just in, not in, just in, in, in yeah. <laughs> Well, I don't know. What things yeah. are you ashamed of? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's a lot of things I wish I hadn't done. Well, I don't wish I... I know, that's not true. I don't regret them because I learnt from them, but I think they were really bad artworks. And mm. I think that they they stepped over the line of, of kind of... Um, uh, I don't know. Basically, they were just shit. Like, for, <laughs> for example, I made a performance, which I really regretted, where I had... Um, I had a, f- a flip bin, like, you know, the bins where you, you yeah, touch with your foot bin. and then it flips, yeah. pedal bin, that's what mm. it's called. And then there was like loads of cream on the top of the pedal bin. And then um, I was like leaning against the wall with my head to the wall, my hands to the wall. Um, and my, I had like, I was wearing a dress. I had the, my skirt up so my ass was out. And then people could step on the pedal bin and then it would hit up and hit the cream on my ass, <laughs> which I thought was quite like, you know, quite a nice um, mechanism. But basically I didn't really think any more other than the mechanism and it just ended up being kind of too much of a passive position to be in yeah and you know I, I couldn't see anybody I was I was literally an object I was still mm. and people could do what they wanted and it just didn't really that dynamic between audience and or spectator or I don't know collaborator I suppose if they were part of it and me didn't didn't really feel in fitting with how I felt about myself and the way that I always want to have control over my body and be kind of I guess sometimes I find the word reclaiming a bit gross but I guess reclaiming sexualized images it just felt like I was participating in it so that's one I think and then afterwards I remember someone was like oh yeah you, you do like sploshing and like there's all this with this guy's discussion about how it was really it was kind of sexy and I was just like oh it's just like really it was really shallow basically yeah. so that's something I felt wasn't very successful that also, also sorry sorry no go on this is kind of a separate point but also I think I've my I've sort of learned that my body is kind of my I don't want to say brand, but brand, yeah. like, and so I shouldn't be using it for things which don't fit with the brand. So, um, God, that's so gross. I mean, what's a better word than brand? No, that's fine. That's <laughs> yeah. So, say so for example, I did some, uh, like, I was in some photo shoots which I got paid for, and I was nude, and um, afterwards I saw the image, and I was just like, oh, it's just like an objectified image that I've participated in, and although I was doing it as a job, I, I decided I wasn't going to do that because it, you know, it's my, my body and my face is my work, and it can't be. Yeah. You know, I have to be quite careful about that stuff. It sounds quite—I don't know—if that sounds pretentious. You know, I think it's just important to think about. No, I think it things. totally makes sense. That um, yeah. that passivity in the in the pedal bin. Thing. Yeah, and and those pictures are really passive. That was the thing. Yeah. They were based on history of art. They're really amazing artworks. I don't want to be a, a dick, but um, just for me and my politics, it didn't fit. Yeah, because you're very active in your yeah in your work. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that I can understand why that would be a little mm. bit um, of a disconnect. And I want to be able to confront people like yeah, with my exactly. eyes. I yeah. mean, sometimes I could have my eyes covered, but I, I'm kind of with the gesture can be confronting. You know, if yeah. I'm doing like fifty slap drops, like maybe I'm not looking at everybody, but like I'm active and I'm yeah. deciding to do it, and and they're kind of the the viewing basically is enough of a engagement. I don't need a physical engagement. I'm not. I don't want to make work like that. You know. So another question that we ask everyone, and I'm expecting yours to be even more wild than some of the other responses we've had. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> if you had unlimited time, space and money, etc., what um, is the one project you would love to do? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I'd like a house or like maybe a hotel or like a huge building and then everyone would have a different performance in and, and you could just wander around and then I guess I'd have to work with other people. It couldn't be me in every room. <laughs> but that it would have, it would be some kind of domestic or maybe even a supermarket, like not a gallery space, like a strange space where commerce goes on. So would it be being used as a supermarket? Possibly, I don't know. There would just be loads of performances going on. Maybe it would be, that would be cool. 
There we go. You're helping me. People you're making me have the idea. I was <laughs> just wandering in doing their shopping. And, and there's loads of stuff going <laughs> yeah. on. Imagine. Yeah. And then people would come up. People could come. But maybe they could also do their shopping at the same time. And they could also see art. I don't know. Something really, really big. With loads of money. <laughs> <laughs> what? Unlimited money? There'd be like, there could be like, I don't know. Because I've always done, I've always been quite like anti-theatrical because that's kind of a trope of performance art. But I kind of want to do something quite spectacular to make a spectacle do something really joyful you know maybe there's like smoke and lights and i don't know i've never done something like that before so smoke think... and lights and shopping and shopping yeah <laughs> yeah and, and maybe um i don't know loads of stuff loads of stuff everywhere that would be what i do <laughs> i think you're right i think i think a shopping center will be better than a house a house is i'm kind of moving away from like the domestic side because i think it is making quite um stereotypical um, statements about women which I don't want to really make it just started off because I was using stuff that was around the house so that became my kind of catchphrase but now I'm more kind of interested in just manufactured objects I say mm. um, yeah maybe a swimming pool that would be good maybe like um, synchronised swimming performance <laughs> I don't know ballerinas everything <laughs> So it doesn't, it, it, doesn't see, it doesn't seem like you struggle for inspiration. But if, if you are struggling for inspiration, what, what helps you get out of that funk? Um, having a nap helps quite a lot. Um, usually, yeah, have a sleep, have a lion. And then when I wake up from the lion, I usually have some thoughts. Um, go to B&Q sometimes, that helps. Um, <laughs> I do love a good B&Q. Yeah, trailer. although my B&Q's closed down, I have to go to home base, that was a bit crapper. There's B&Q just down the road from here. Is there? Yeah, old camp road. Yeah, I should go there. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll go there now. <laughs> yeah, I love a walk around B&Q looking at all the weird stuff you don't know what it does. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so uh, another another of our big questions. Yes. Um, so if you were to give uh, some advice to an early career artist just starting out, what would that be? I think it would be you can you can do whatever you want. It doesn't really um, um, it doesn't really matter what people say. I know that there's like a whole crit situation, and that's really really important to take criticism. But at the end of the day, um, you, you can still do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as long as you're not being you know making art that's um, you know prejudice obviously that's bad but um I was really crippled when I started making performance art because I hadn't really had any criticism when I was studying because I was studying set costume design before we didn't really have a feedback system at all and then I came I went to Royal College and and suddenly I was just so afraid of what everyone was going to say and, and I just cared so much and now I've just learned not to care so much and not everybody's going to like it that's fine um as long as you stay critically engaged with the work yourself that would be my advice and also just uh, like be nice to people. It's <laughs> always a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Found a nice way to end it, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Be, be nice to people. Yeah, and make whatever crazy shit you want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't doesn't matter if it's... Um, I know that was not the end, but it doesn't matter if uh, it seems trivial as well. Like things things always mean something. Um, often the trivial things, after you realise, are the most kind of profound. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. All right, well, that's a good place to go. <laughs> Thank you for joining. Thanks for having me. Bring back the dog. <laughs> <laughs>